0: Fulhamish is back for the season by Ladbrokes.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, it is showtime. Please welcome the team of the Fulhamish podcast.
0: Hello and welcome to the Fulhamish podcast. My name is Sammy James. We are your independent voice of Fulham FC and praise the Lord. Thank Christmas because Fulham got a clean sheet. We'll be discussing Fulham's nil-nil draw up at Saint James's Park today. We're live from my living room with Farrell Monk. Hello there, Secretary Jack Collins. Hello, Sammy. And making his pod debut, Jack's brother Tom. Hello. It's nice to have you. Thank double, you very much. Tom Collins,
2: f- youth team. Yeah. Like I've kind been of... behind the scenes. Yeah, the academy.
0: Well, it's like we've got Ryan Cessignon and Stephen Cessignon, who <laughs> is eventually going to usurp Ryan. It's just taking a little bit longer than you know. Glad to get the contract out of the way. Yeah, we're going to be shipping Jack Ongs. So he's getting a bit old now. Yeah,
2: you know, there's been some big money offers on the table. <laughs> like you know, it's difficult, but yeah. we're here. Yeah. It's nice to be back on the other side of the desk, Sammer.
0: Oh, Jack, you, uh, you've absolutely stormed it uh, in my absence, up marooned in the north. Um, so yeah, we were all in my living room. We all watched uh, the Newcastle Fulham game here, and we always like to be at games, and it's kind of a, a U.S.P. of the pod, I guess, is that we we try and go to as many games as possible. But you know, three days before Christmas, up to St James's Park, and uh, it was all a little bit difficult. But we've had a we've had a nice afternoon here uh, watching the game. Uh, Jack, let's do some three word reviews before we get into the pod
2: yeah we've had some some good ones straight away the fulham fc gent out of the out of the blue saint james biblical which i thought was phenomenal tim Torring, good clean start a little bit more negative from dave at doy, doy 64 who says still four adrift uh jason zingale says better than losing but i think i think the best one comes from our own Farrell monk announced spag bowl
0: yeah, Yay. it's going to be it's going to be a plate of pasta for those Fulham players tonight. Well, they have
2: to have Big Macs. So, so he's already promised Big Macs for clean sheets. But yesterday, Ranieri said that he needed clean sheets like he needs pasta. Okay, which is a strange comment, as, as he said, like I need bread, like I need pasta. Which is a, you know, I'm all for food analogies because it worked for Leicester. So if it's going to work for Leicester, maybe it can work for us.
0: Uh, we, we can all here get on board with the food analogy. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, just to say this season, Fulhamish is backed by Labrooks. For exclusive specials and promotions, head to um Farrell, I'll start with you. Whilst it was a good result today a nil-nil draw a clean sheet that's a really positive step we are bottom at christmas which traditionally in football and in the premier league is not a great place to be but moving away from that there is a lot of cause for optimism after today's result
3: yeah when we were talking on thursday's podcast about the uh about newcastle and the fact they're actually uh banging form especially solomon rondon and we kept in largely quiet today uh, which was very, very pleasing to see. He didn't really have a sniff of goal. I don't really remember Sergio Rico making any particularly good shots, uh, good saves. Newcastle uh, didn't is. have a shot on target. Oh, well, there you go. Thanks. There you go. I well, mean, then,
0: it is a criticism of Rico. He didn't have any good shots today either. Well, <laughs> you, know, you know, he really should have maybe been a bit more potent.
3: Yeah, come on, Rico. <laughs> Let's bring back Button. He would have somehow had, had a shot to save. We should um, bring
0: back, who is the uh, youth team keeper that scored for uh, Steve Jesse Ro- uh, Yeah, yes, Joranen. Was he scored from uh, yeah, he, he scored score. from a goal kick. We need he was him. our
2: keeper, he, our yeah. Finnish
3: keepers. Yes, you're in it. Yeah, yeah.
0: Is, he, is he, or Marek so... Rodek who scored first? Yeah, Slovenia at that's the what twenty-one. I he was yeah, talking about. Yeah. Here we go. He's goal-scoring still... goal scoring goalkeepers are as our uh, is our thing now. But no, we, you're right. We did keep Rondon on very quiet, and that's in part to the three-five-two we played, which did seem to work. Yeah, I think that the the three centre backs
3: of Rima, Doyle and Wilson looked quite comfortable. There were some couple of dodgy moments, but. There... What I did see from them, it didn't really have any too many defensive mistakes, not necessarily ones that led to like key attacks or anything, but there weren't anything that they were really made uncomfortable. You know, Tim Ream made some two or three outstanding tackles during that game. Um, Adoy somehow just decided to play not his suicidal sort of dribbles through the midfield as much as he used to. Um, it was, you know, maybe it was down to a little bit of lack of confidence from the Newcastle players, but it I couldn't say it was. I think that Newcastle tried and huffed and puffed and they got the ball into the box, certainly the last 15 minutes. I think that was their game plan to get it as close to us as as our goal and try and th- push it down our necks as much as possible. And we handled it really well. And just a note on Sergio Rico, the amount of punches he, he, he did... Um, on Alfie what, Mawson. On, well, one on Al- Alfie Mawson. I mean, <laughs> that could have ended up in he could have ended up in the other half, but uh, the amount of punches he. Uh, he did from from dangerous crosses was and dealt with them effectively was absolutely outstanding and, and great to see
0: um, Tom do you think Slavisa, if he did watch today's game will have been fuming the amount of times that he tried three at the back and it pretty much never works for him uh, and today he's watched Claudio Ranieri do three at the back and, and it was effective and it allowed Joe Bryan and Cyrus Christie especially to to get up the pitch and attack more without being too worried that if they got caught upfield for whatever reason, they at least knew they would have some, some cover, some protection. I, I I thought it was really a really effective system today.
1: It was, it worked. It worked very well. I think we'd all said before the game that we think that that's potentially our best offensive lineup with potentially Maxime Le Marchand coming in for Ream. Um, I think, yeah, Slavis was always, he was an attacking-minded manager, wasn't he? Um, he would be disappointed to see it, but I think that You've got to give that to Ranieri that he's changed and done the exact well, he's done exactly the same thing, but it's worked today. And maybe it's a difference in opposition, but yeah, I mean he'd be disappointed, but I think you've got to give the credit to Ranieri.
0: What effect could this have psychologically on the team, Jack, in a positive sense that finally We've gone to another ground, we've kept a clean sheet, something that we failed to do all season. How nice is it to look at the Premier League table and Fulham has still only conceded forty two goals?
2: Yeah, really nice. you know, now, <laughs> now forty two is divided by eighteen rather than seventeen. Uh, I think Tom's got it pretty much spot on there in terms of you look at that three five two and it was more of a five three two for for large proportions of the game today. Yes, Brian and Christie took the opportunity to go forward when they did, but you compare it to the five the three five two that Slovisi used against Arsenal where Christie was trying to man mark the the right back uh, the left back and uh, and then you you know in comparison today they tucked in they were narrow when they needed to be yes we expanded a little bit more but it was more counter-attacking in that with Sherlock off Mitrovic or whoever it is that plays off Mitrovic in the future going forward it kind of allowed us to you know break at pace without necessarily isolating Mitrovic so much So yes, obviously Savisa will look at it and go, oh, why did the five at the back never work for me? But it was a completely different system today. And and you look at you know how compact we were in the middle john seri i thought was you know not magnificent but much improved in that he was everywhere making tackles he he's the only one that kind of moves in the midfield to create triangles and he was also you know in there hustling away next to callum chambers and 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 with that you know the three behind them the two in the middle and the wing backs getting back primarily and looking to snuff out attacks we looked far more solid and so yes, you look at that and you go right. Can we carry that form and and mode into next into the cu- next couple of games? Obviously, Wolves at home, Huddersfield at home. They're huge games for us. We can get points out of those games if we approach them like today. Obviously, we've got to be a little bit more attack minded than we were at, at points. But you know, like Farrell said earlier, there was you know we could have snatched something there. It was probably
1: the better chances in the end of it.
2: Newcastle didn't. Yeah. That's it. Newcastle didn't have a shot on goal. There was that lucky moment where Debravka somehow got the ball around Mitrovic, even though he got a foot on it at the end. You know, there's that one that pulls back to Mitrovic, and everyone thought it was a handball, but it looks like it actually wasn't in hindsight. And also the Abubakar Kamara chance at the end, where you know a less heavy touch, and he's basically in one on one. And
3: so, Joe Bryan chance as well. you had that yeah. shot, which don't know whether it was a shot or a cross, but yeah. the problem. I, pro- I think
0: the problem was it was a bit of both. Yeah, yeah. precisely. If it's a cross, it would have probably gone in. If it was a shot, it would have at I least was, had a chance. I think
3: it was like a Scott Malone type cross, wasn't it? Precisely. That probably ended up like a shot in the end. Don't,
0: yeah. don't don't say the word Scott Malone too quickly. It might just give me a bit of a oh, sad, sad. sad memory. <laughs> <so>. <laughs> well,
2: but look, you you look at it, and it's got to be a positive thing going forward. That we have kept that clean sheet. We've looked to bring it into you know a, a home now and take it away. You know we've been bad away all season. Let's not beat around the bush. You know that's our first point since Brighton. We've lost seven on the trot since that Brighton yeah. game, and you know now we go. At home in these next two games with that in the bank and you know we at least feel that we can defend so you know that's got to be positive
0: i mean as fans i was watching that last 20 minutes and i had i had little belief to be honest that fulham would hold on and get a point let alone all three and if i have that lack of belief you imagine the players probably also must have been thinking 20 minutes to go oh god how are we going to throw this away so from, if if i'm thinking that as a fan i feel like the players must have had that thought as well and therefore the fact that we overcame it saw out the last 20 minutes and it wasn't exactly like we held on in that in those mm. final minutes we actually had the better chances as we said and there were no real clear cut chances for newcastle i
1: suppose the adoy ones yeah, the adoy off the one well, not quite off the line but that's probably as
3: close as they got yeah, yeah. and uh, that's that's
0: that's uh, right in the well,
3: first half that was i mean earlier on this season and in patches of in the first half of last season, there were times when that Fulham defence would have crippled and, and, and scored a goal. But it just didn't seem that way. It, there was a couple of nervous moments of defending where the ball would um, come from a high position and then bounce in the area because there were two players going for it and they're kind of, to me, to you, Chuckle Brothers type type defending. R. But, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but um, towards the end of the game, there was it was a bit more sort of decisive um, yeah. Defending, I would say that it was getting more and more. They were getting the balls, were getting to the box, and there was no more of the trying the bad decision making of trying to play it out the back. There was a bit more, just get it clear and. You know when we got the pace of Abubakar Kamara on the pitch to causing problems and winning it, and I thought Mitrovic did very well in trying to clear up a lot of those clearances, which he hasn't really done a great deal of in the past. And when you've got the energy of Aite and, and Abubakar Kamara at the end of the game, picking up those loose bits that Mitrovic was fighting, I think it really did start to start to work because in the past, what we would have tried to done is played it out from the back, and it just would have come straight back in again because it was lost because of bad decision making.
0: I always think it's a bit dangerous to compare current games to completely different scenarios in the past. But I saw a tweet about 10 minutes ago and it said how the 0-0 up at Bolton in January under Hodgson was a huge turning point for Fulham because we'd been so awful defensively that season. And in came a couple of new signings, a new strategy. We went up there and kept a clean sheet at a difficult ground and we kind of built on it from there. Do you think, Tom, that today could potentially have that kind of galvanizing effect for this Fulham side or is that just a bit of a dangerous comparison to make
1: I mean you obviously you like to think so don't you um I guess I guess we'll have to wait and see really but um I, th- I think it is a big moment I think so much been made of our defense as well and so many question marks and all the sort of media coverage as how poor we are defensively um so I think it is a big moment for for the boys and it's it's something they can definitely build on
0: um i just had to help jack then find a thatcher's gold behind his back uh, i
2: was trying to do it without
3: looking
0: <laughs> yeah
3: which is you know always a dangerous <laughs> the game no of look. i was trying to do the no look for me no grab of the cat in, in, in the it, studio sam had been like no nah, he's fine it'll spill everywhere it's fine but in yeah, his but own it home, his house yeah, yeah. there was absolutely no way that he was letting me get that you know just feel he just, around he just thought the rest of his weekend would be like trying to rub out tough thatcher's stains from his <laughs> sofa <laughs>
0: Um, What did you make um, of Joe Bryan's performance today? I thought he's come into this team and he's made that left-back spot his own again. And we're starting to see the promise from him that we hoped we would earlier in the season. And I think he's a really useful addition. And okay, there's a couple of times where sometimes I wonder if he could have been a bit more adventurous with some of his runs. But other than that, I just think he's a really solid answer to that left-back position, which is a nice thing because that's been a problem area for us all season really
2: absolutely yeah you you look at that slot and you think as a as a wing back then then joe Bryan might fit in there a little bit more because it kind of counteracts the ranieri wanting someone tall at the back post to fend off headers so three at the back allows joe Bryan to one not be as responsible defensively you look at the you know the second goal for west ham at the cottage last week and you think where on earth is joe brian gone he's gone tracking his man into the middle of nowhere uh, and he's the man supposed to be at the back post so having a third center back kind of negates that in a way and it allows him to get a little bit more forward he's still defensively is actually quite good on the deck you know when someone's running at joe Bryan, i'm never like oh he's going to get skinned here i I usually think that he's at least got a chance of winning the ball and so you know having him in that slot kind of makes it easier for him for him to fit into the team what i don't know is where it leaves ryan session in in a 5-3-2 you know where do you play Sess if if that's what we're going to look at going forward and I mean, the, the obvious answer to me would be in Schürrle's role, you know, playing off Mitrovic, kind of trying to win, like, flick on, win, win the ball after Mitrovic has won those flick-ons and try and, you know, exploit the gaps. But ultimately, I can see Ranieri looking to utilise Sessignon as a wing-back, where he was so effective against Arsenal. We do, we, do, we do forget that, kind of, in the mire of that second-half performance, how good Ryan Sesignon was for large swathes of the first half. So, you know, yes, I like Joe Bryan a lot. I, I think that he needs to deliver the ball more and earlier. You know, with with Mitrovic's heading ability and you look at something like Matt Target's ball in for, for Danny Ings' first goal against Arsenal last week and it shows how that early ball can be effective if you've got a striker who's good in the air and we all know how powerful Mitrovic is. So I'd like to see a bit more of Joe Bryan's delivery. We know we've got in the, he's got in the tank. We've seen it at Bristol City. We saw how good he is, you know, with with that kind of whip. But I, I'd like to see more of it. But yeah, ultimately, I'm, I'm, I'm quite happy with him. I thought he was good today.
3: We spoke a lot in the week about um, how getting the ball in early and well for, for a player of Mitrovic's quality is absolutely key to this team at the moment. I would like to see it more. I didn't see it enough today. And when it, and if it did come in, I don't think the quality was right, was there enough. Um, and, you know, there were points where, you know, we talked about when Tom Cairn, he kept on cutting in on his left, on his, onto his left foot from the right hand side. And you think this is the perfect ball for him. And he kept on checking back a little bit or took a little bit more time. And I, I just like just there doesn't seem to be that kind of confidence and quickness to exploit defensive um incapabilities in other teams at the moment.
0: Is Kenny working on that right-hand side because it just seems to me that it's very predictable. Whilst he does still keep the ball very well, we all know about his amazing ability to just hold on to the ball under incredible circumstances, but I don't know. I just feel that his play is so predictable because he's so clearly going to try and go onto his left foot and 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 curl one in and 99% of the time the defenders just seem to be able to get in the way of it because they know what he's going to do and it just leads to playing sideways the whole time
3: I I do agree to a certain extent I I just for for some reason I just don't think we saw that enough today Um, and I do it he kind of worked from the right, but then it was they were kind of interchanged him and Schürrle quite a lot. Sometimes we'd see Schürrle trying to come down the right. We sometimes saw him coming down the left. So, I mean Schürrle's crossing today and his 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 general play didn't seem to be up to the standard. But what I did see from him was a lot more industry from and unfortunately it seemed to be the reverse from Tom Kearney. I didn't see enough of of him today getting up and down. But maybe he was just tasked with just stay up there and pick pick off. Uh, pick off Mitrovic what I think that Tom Kearney does bring is there was so many times that game where he was able just to find little pockets and and exploit little gaps in in their defense there was a lovely little reverse pass to to Jean-Michel, she- uh, Jean-Michel <laughs> Sherry it's Christmas time it after is. all Christmas.
0: you had a few of those last <laughs> night didn't yes you?
3: um and unfortunately um the afore- aforementioned that JMS did not pick out the uh, cross, but you know yeah. keep doing that Tom that's what you're there for you are there to be unpredictable and and find those
0: gaps Tom couple of penalty shouts for Newcastle throughout the game um, the first one was Matt Ritchie claiming a handball off of Callum Chambers and, and the second one probably the biggest shout Kennedy was kind of pulled down by Joe Bryan as a cross came into the box did either of them cut it as a penalty for you the Newcastle fans were certainly frustrated by the second one definitely I
1: think that's sort of that's it really isn't it we'd probably be claiming for it as if it was us and you say it isn't for them it's it's a it's a borderline decision I don't think the the Richie one is I don't see how he can get out the way um in time um so I I can't see how you give that Uh, it'd be the same I know it wasn't a handball but it'd be the same sort of thing for for the Mitrovic one at the end like it's come at him so fast um for the Joe Bryan one he does does have a hand on him so it depends what sort of school of thought you are if you say it's contact See, in the box i
0: just personally think that there was no chance of kennedy ever getting to that as an attacking yeah
1: it's a strange decision anyway because i think if you're kennedy you're probably looking to beat joe Bryan in the air anyway um
0: so i think he's probably he's gone down sort of quite lightly um jack fulham's late chances so there was that effort that Mitrovic. um i mean it did hit was it it's the lascelles hand I'm not actually understanding. Yeah, 100% it 100% sure. does hit Little other
2: but it's right in front of his body. Like, that's not a penalty for me.
0: I actually am more just annoyed that Mitrovic doesn't finish yes. that. Yeah, but just stick it in the bin. That I mean, it, there's it... a lot of bodies in the way, but you feel like Mitrovic should be someone of his quality should be fine in the net. There, brilliant work by Kamara. We yeah. don't actually know how he got there in the building no, because there's the TV cut away and then it
2: came back and Abubakar Kamara was going around the keeper and he <laughs> yeah. was like, and they never cut back to show us what happened. No, they exactly, just showed the yeah. chance. So it was strange. Um, yeah, I think Mitrovic should score I mean, more than more than I think there's anything wrong with the. the, the I think it's actually very good tracking from the defender. Yeah. In order to to get back and get his body in the line in the way of it, but for me, Mitrovic needs to roll that into the corner. Like he doesn't need to absolutely like, hammer it a goal.
3: Just slot it. Well, there's I think a lot that, of bodies. Though. Yeah, there was a lot of bodies, and I think what he's trying to do is try and hit the roof of the net out of the reach of the of the uh defenders but i think that kind of shows the lack of confidence in Mitrovic at yeah. the moment there are a few there were a few points today where there was one where he was put in down the left and yeah. a more i mean he was absolutely fired at his ankle so he did well to get the ball under control but he had so much space and time and it kind of exploits his lack of pace to i mean an in-form Mitrovic would have just driven and then just thumped it with his left foot but he, well, he, he kind
0: of tried to, he just crossed it and I think it might have been Schurler running to the near post mm. and Christie is miles, miles yeah. open at the back post and it, it it was just tame and it wasn't Mitrovic of last season and I think he does need a few goals and he got them against Southampton. I thought that would be a real moment, right? Mitrovic is going to refound his confidence here and it seems to have gone down again. I wonder mm. if today he was trying a bit too hard.
3: Yeah, and it, it, it's it's expressively disappointing when he started like 10 yards behind their back line and we weren't able to exploit things like that. Yeah. You know, players players who are probably slow with him like Glenn Murray would have gobbled up that chance. Yeah. And it kind of shows maybe the lack of confidence that Mitrovic has and you, you're quite right in saying that we all thought that this he's going to be uh, banging form again. Everyone's going to put him back in his fantasy league team for a start which, you know, a lot of people did and it hasn't come, has it? It, it is a little bit disappointing the fact that we are now seeing a lack of confidence from our main man, a guy who's going to play, you know, mostly 90 minutes week in, week out. Yeah. The guy that's going to get us most of our goals, that confidence has really kind of shows it is, is tangible, unfortunately.
0: So with Sess reported to be back for the Wolves game, Tom, where do you put Sess back in that side? Do you put Sess back in that side? Let's assume that we're going to stay at, you know, this... Five three two or three five two, which which is you know not with with, with cloudy at the moment, we have kind of no idea what formation he's well, was, going with week to week.
1: Yeah, I was sort of going to say that I think he we could see a a different sort of formation at home as we do away. Yeah. Um. So I, I think that, Seth probably does get the nod over Joe Bryan. Um. Probably after today's performance, okay. we know how about Seth's quality, um, crossing. Um, I mean, for Scherler's goal against Southampton, it was just absolutely sublime, um, which we missed with Joe Bryan today. Um, But yeah, I'd like to see Sess further up the pitch. So I'd happily have him in instead of Scherler up, uh, sort of running off Mitrovic. I
0: mean, Jack, you argued at the end of the game, you you didn't necessarily say this was the case, but you kind of put the point to debate to Fulham win that game with Sessegnon. Yeah,
2: I, I think it's an interesting question. I don't think Sherla offered very much today. He was better than he has been recently, and, but that's not really saying very much. No. You know, he, he ran a bit more. He put a bit more effort in, but that's kind of the least I expected. He, the quality wasn't really there. You know, there, there wasn't any kind of moments of magic. And, and if he's not going to play the simple stuff right, then he needs to produce the moments of magic. It's one or the other. And and it's one of those domoists that you never notice Sherla unless he scores. Because yeah. the, the only time you ever notice him when he pops up scores. And, and that weirdly, can be a positive. Yeah, weirdly, that's, that was a lot of Cessignon last yeah, year, actually. Yeah, of course, to a point, though. Cess is usually involved in build-up. Yeah, absolutely, he, he, yeah. In the way that Sherler often isn't. And I, I think that, for me, if you have Cessignon buzzing around there off Mitrovic in the first half, and one of those chances that Mitrovic gets falls his way instead, maybe. Yeah. May, and he's also, you know, a little bit quicker off the mark than Scherler. That, that one that Mitrovic fizzes into the middle and... Scherler doesn't quite get to, maybe Sessignon does, you know, or maybe Mitrovic looks for the pass a little bit more because he's aware of Sessignon and he knows what he brings to the table. And so, yes, for me, if we're going to stick with that formation, I'd like to see Sessignon or Vieto next to Mitrovic at home. Yeah. And, you know, if if he's going to play it and look to be more attacking, then maybe the sensible substitution is Sess for Joe Bryan and bring Vieto in up top because it allows us to be a little bit more forward thinking in, in, in the kind of homeward sense against Wolves. But you know, I wouldn't also be surprised if he goes back to a four-four-one-one at home, given how well we played against Leicester in that formation.
0: Yeah, um, I think that substitution where Kamara came on for Schurrle today is kamara is the perfect man to come on in that situation in in regards of who we have in our team obviously like Messi would actually be the perfect person to bring on in that situation but for who fulham have in the squads i thought it worked so well because it panicked newcastle and it stretched the game completely in our favor and on another day farrell you you imagine that that could have ended up with Fulham winning the game. And that was all because of the threat that Kamara offered when he came on. I'm not a massive fan of him starting, but if he comes on 20 minutes, 30 minutes for the end, especially if things are level, it panics defences because he's so physical, he's so fast. And with against their tired legs, it just works perfectly.
3: Yeah, it does. I, you know, I had a massive rant about him on Monday, and probably in hindsight that was a little bit harsh, but probably a lot of what I said was, was due because... I think a lot of what he does his decision making and all those kinds of things are, are particularly poor and he does fluff chances a lot and you know stuff that probably won't even get onto the match of the day highlights reel where you know even the one right at the end where he had such a, a he had such a glorious opening and he still managed to mess it up yeah you know you've got to balance those things out like where at what point do you say well it does cause problems but it's at what point does the rest of his play become a detriment to the team we all said on the sofa here in you know after about five minutes of him coming on he he could have been sent off the amount of he got a yellow card pretty quickly and then there was a couple of times we were like another referee might have given him another yellow card was it, Yedlin,
0: was it Yedlin he basically choked hold he, he literally
3: yeah. slammed it yeah, yeah he, exactly he just picked him up by his neck and threw him on the floor I know that might have been a red card on its own yeah exactly and you know I I do agree that he does offer offer something to this team and maybe it should only be perhaps just 20 minute cameos here and there to unsettle things and he does do that and a good manager like Ranieri will focus on what players are good at but what players are not so good at and we should only play to our strengths and you're totally right in saying that starting him is not an option but especially not now get 20 minutes from the end absolutely absolutely Impact players were quite a big thing for
2: Ranieri at Leicester. I know he had a settled starting 11 and and that was it, but impact players were a, a kind of thing he used a, a lot of the time off the bench. But well, was made a real Joao le- used to come off the bench and it, it's different obviously he was a he was a target man and came on and brought height and they they switched up and then started delivering into the air into the into the air. But to have a different weapon at your disposal that you can use 20 minutes before the end. Uh, Kamara has come on leaps and bounds, but he's still nowhere near good enough to no, be starting th- at this level. But if he can come in unsettled defenses and it opens up opportunities for other players to exploit, even if he can't exploit them himself, you know that's
3: got to be a good thing going into the like end of tight games like this one. What I've got to say is that in any other situation, any other Premier League team apart from Fulham, that chance at the end is a goal. But he his second touch is so poor that it invites. The, I mean, it is a good it is good defending in the end, and it offers that kind of uncertainty for the for the guy on the ball. But any other, any other striker in the world, that's so a not, goal.
0: But I don't agree that any other striker in the world would even have the opportunity yeah, to make that chance important. because of Kamara's pace. Yeah, I think yeah. a, a normal one-on-one race with most of the strikers in the Premier League, that Lascelles just gobbles that up. But I think it's Yedlin. and, and no, it's LaSalle's that definitely makes I the challenge. Yeah.
2: Oh, okay, I could be out. I, I was about to say, you know, LaSalle, but but even so, like one, a very good defender and two, you know, hardly lacking pace. No. You know, Jamal LaSalle mm. is quick yeah. for a centre back, and and he reads it really well. Yes, you're you're right, on that if he takes a less heavy touch, he can square it for Mitrovic yeah. to make a make a you know make his elf a hero, and probably would have done that time. I think you give you, you can only give Mitrovic so many before he bets on away. Yeah, but it was it is one of those where his own pace makes he, he drives from from the midfield, he drives mm. from the halfway line pretty much. Yeah, to make the chance and open it up, and if Mitrovic has the
3: ball. On the halfway line, we don't well, even get anywhere near yeah, the goal. Absolutely. So, I mean, to be honest, when he did get the ball, we all shouted him, "Just run, yeah, yeah <laughs> just run, absolutely,
2: just peg it." And he, he he did that. So it's hard to, you know, obviously we should, we can criticize and we should be critical in that he definitely should finish that off at the end, or at least you know keep it so that he can square it for a tap in. But it, it's, it's it's hard to be completely critical of it and completely agree with you in that in that. If it's not Kamara, I don't think we get the chance in the first place. But he
1: also does make the Mitrovic chance. He makes the best chance of the yeah, game so for composed. us. Um so We don't see that side of him very much. And so, to be fair, You've got to probably got to give him the credit for it yeah. because another day he probably tries a shot from there and it just goes well, goes anywhere really. Yeah. Uh, shooting, isn't he?
0: Well, <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> and also uh, it would be interesting to watch match of the day tonight so we can actually see how that chance came about yeah. in the first place it yeah. would be it would be a wonderful thing and tom uh, wolves is our final game of the first half of this season after which point we start playing teams that we've already played again so it's not great halfway through the season we're bottom of the league at Christmas I think only three sides in the history of the Premier League have ever survived after being bottom on Christmas Day we're bottom on goal difference uh, six goals behind Huddersfield and where do you see this relegation battle? You know there's really for me I feel like Southampton are going to be drawn away I think they look revitalised under Hassan Houtel and they have a good squad Um, for me it's Cardiff, Burnley, Huddersfield and actually I really think Newcastle is still going to be down there. Yeah
1: I mean we're fortunate in the fact that we haven't been very good but there also are teams in the league that also are not very good yeah um, yeah how how you predict it I'm not sure we're definitely going to be amongst it I think we are one of the, the four five poor teams in the league uh, I think it's going to be a low amount of points that does keep you up this year
0: but um, because because newcastle's next games um i think are pretty much all from the top four i think yeah, it's isn't it city
2: liverpool
3: united and chelsea and chelsea yeah. and then what in february we have them all don't we we have i think we have what we we have a whole united run. chelsea city then liverpool i think this we've is... got a decent end to the season though.
2: this is the thing though you know they're playing like you say we've got one more game where where we have someone we haven't played before so when you know, Newcastle play Chelsea. So they've got Liverpool, which is the last team they haven't played. Then they have Chelsea, City and United. You know, that's them done. They're finished. They're finished with those three teams for the season. Whereas yeah. we have to play them again later. So yes, it's... And, you know, for them, it's difficult and a difficult run of fixtures that could see them back in the mire. But bear in mind that everyone else has to play those teams as well at some point. Well, that's um, why they
0: struggled so badly at the start to a point. A tough start, right? So, they, had, they had six of the top seven, I think, of, of kind of like the, the traditional top uh, top six in those opening games I think Huddersfield where they drew was the only team that was kind of around them and Kennedy missed that penalty in the final minute I just thought the Newcastle were poor today and if they're struggling to score against us then to be honest they're going to (laughs) struggle they're going to struggle to score against a lot of teams with a bang in form
3: striker as well it's it's crazy (laughs) to think I mean the Newcastle fans today must be absolutely livid I just
2: I just got a message from NUFC blog being like you lot must think we're the worst team you've played all season can't believe how bad we were today. Uh, just lucky you missed those last chances. That was the basic run of the yeah. mill from the, from the Newcastle end.
3: Well, I mean, at least they're aware. And I think that, you know, I do agree that Newcastle are going to be there or thereabouts come towards the end of the season. They don't seem to have enough quality in attack, even even with the likes of, of Atsu Curry, which I'll take from Jack. Um, Chicken Atsu. Chicken Atsu. Um, you know, that's... They just don't seem to have that quality and confidence to, to, to create a lot of chances. They don't tend to create a lot of chances because, as they know, Rafa plays a very sort of tactical, slower, build-up kind of play. Towards the end, they went a bit pragmatic and just tried to pump balls into the box, which was a definite sort of strategic change as the game wore on. And that didn't work as well. And as you said, quite rightly, the failure to to breach the full and back line is after conceding 46 goals already this season is particularly bad.
0: I'd quite like to see the true Geordie's reaction after after that. Lively. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And obviously a massive shock result today in the Premier League with Palace going up to Man City and pulling out a win. I thought the Palace were going to be right down there this season, but if they're pulling wins like that out of the bag and Andros Townsend has potentially scored one of the best goals of all time, I, I, I don't think I've ever seen anything like it. No, it is some
2: hit. But yeah, it's it's unreal. And if Palace pull out those kind of wins, you can't see them getting mired down there. The problem is for Palace, they haven't been able to score. And now they're going to City and scoring three. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, if they've solved that problem and, you know, you know we're not going to call it that they have because we haven't watched the game. They might have scored all three shots they had on target and that rarely happens. But... You know, If they're going to City and scoring three, then you'd imagine that the worst of their problems are behind them. So maybe we discount them from the race now.
0: Exactly. Uh, Let's look ahead to Wolves on Boxing Day. Now Wolves have uh, been on a really, really decent run of form. They lost to Liverpool on Friday, but we all know how flying they are in the league. They've picked up some really good wins in recent weeks after what was looking like... Some people were thinking that Wolves might end up in the relegation battle after they lost kind of consecutive games to Huddersfield and Cardiff. But there's, I don't think there's any danger of Wolves getting sucked in. They're a team, though, Tom, that uh, we kind of know all about after going not quite toe to toe with them last season. I think, I think that maybe um, is a bit rich to say that, but certainly a team that we were competing with last year. Oh, definitely. I think the game
1: at the Cottage last year against Wolves was probably one of our best performances of the season. Yeah. We definitely matched them. But I mean, on the flip side of that, I think going to Molyneux was probably the worst I've ever seen for them. So yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure if the two games are a massive sort of barometer of where we are against them. I mean, yeah, they're living our dream really, aren't they? That's what we all thought that we might might do when we came up. Um, they're a very dangerous side. They've got a lot of quality. Um, but like like we've seen, they are beatable.
0: Wolves have now got Ruben Neves back. Uh, he's missed uh, large swathes this season, uh, Farrell. Uh Moutinho has been uh, really key in the centre of the park for them. What a signing he's been. And, and Jimenez is the man up front scoring most of the goals. They haven't actually been massively potent this season, Wolves. They have suddenly sometimes struggled to to breach defences. And I think that was very evident in the games that we saw against Huddersfield and Cardiff. Do you think though that watching this game is a little bit of a case of what could have been for Fulham this season.
3: Quite possibly. Uh, They haven't changed a great deal about the the style of play. They they've changed. They've, they've sort of changed their tactical setup. They now play kind of a five, three, two with, with Mac Doherty bombing up and down the right hand side. It's going to be very interesting if, if we continue playing up this five, three, two or, or whatever you want to call it, three, four, (laughs) two, one kind of Christmas tree formation. Um, it you know it it maybe will will negate that somewhat. You know, if especially if we were talking about earlier with Ryan Sessegnon might be returning in that left wing back spot, which I would. Although Joe Bryan um, was good today and has been getting better and better since his return from injury. Um, I do think that we can't not play Ryan Sessegnon at left wing back because it just suits him so down to a T and suit so, and you know it's quite weird that we're talking about building a team around an 18 year old but that's what the you know kind of the position we see ourselves in at the moment and it'd be very very interesting to see what kind how we kind of play and how Wolves play as well because you're quite right they're not very potent they don't they create chances when they need to they don't sort of just keep bombing forward they they're very good at their game management they're very good at defending when they need to defend and attacking when they need to attack they did create a few chances against Liverpool last night they did have I think the same amount of shots as Liverpool which is quite astounding when you think of you know uh, Liverpool and their attacking riches that they have and you know they, they they've been doing well this year and I don't I think that Wolves after I don't think they'll be happy going away to Craven Cottage on Boxing Day, you know, considering that we are now kind of on the up, we've got you know the new manager starting to uh, get his ideas across. We saw today that we're much better uh, defending, much more resolute. You know, our decision making at the back has has come on leaps and bounds from the first half of the first third of the season, if you will. um So, it's, I think it's going to be a really interesting battle. So. Here's to another nil nil.
0: Um, Wolves will look at that West Ham performance from last week, and you'd imagine try and adopt a similar tactic. They they are fantastic team on the break, and and you saw. I remember watching that game where they drew to Arsenal, and they were massively unlucky to draw that game. They were yep. absolutely fantastic, and Arsenal had a lot of the ball, and Wolves' counter attacks were were immaculate, really, and. They surely will have seen what West Ham did, and it wasn't exactly the most impressive counter-attacking, really, at times from yeah. the Hammers, and and think that they can get us in the same way.
2: Yeah, of course. The, the other thing about Wolves is that you know they're, they're settled, they're happy. You know those players know the system, you know as well as they're going to. They did the thing in the summer because they had the quality and talent from the summer before. They didn't have to completely reinvent the wheel this summer. They upgraded in positions. Ruperticio is a huge upgrade on John Ruddy. I think Johnny Otto is a huge upgrade on Barry Douglas. Even though I think Barry Douglas is a good, good left back, uh, you know they brought in Moutinho into that midfield, who played in kind of where Romance Says played last year. I know they played together on Friday night, but you know we've seen more of him as a kind of partner to Neves. And I imagine that against Fulham, as opposed to against Liverpool, we will see Neves and Moutinho in together behind the front three, who have suddenly rediscovered their form. You know, at just the right time yeah. for us, as ever. Uh, but Diego Yotta's back, scoring goals. He looks like he's reinvigorated Costa, Cavalero. And they have Adama Traore just to to round things off. So, you know, this is the a team... They upgraded Abubakar Kamara. Precisely. They, they have a team who are well-stocked in talent. They yeah, have a team yeah, yeah. who are well-comfortable with the system and roles they play. They're all happy, you know, as far as, as, far as we can see in that camp. And, and they're kind of living that dream. And like you said earlier... You know, a lot of us would would we want to be where wolves are and not have had to completely reinvent ourselves from last year, but you know, it is how it is and we we look to build.
0: And potentially to the brightest young English talents going toe to toe because Gibbs White has been a revelation for, for Wolves this season and, and assuming that sessignon's back it'll be interesting to see the two paired against each, against each other and of course it's the first time that uh, Ruben Neves and Ryan sessignon have met following the infamous battle of uh, sessignon pipping uh, Neves to the Championship Player of the Season award which where Wolves fans were very chippy about
2: Tim Spires is probably going to have a heart attack at the game so <laughs> suck on that one
0: well, uh, Wolves. Uh, it's a twelve thirty Boxing Day kickoff, which is a bit of a um, over. Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. I'm trying to say we'll still be digesting the turkey and and uh, and sherry and the John Michelle sherrys.
0: So. <laughs> you will, at least. I mean, it's not John as bad Michelle as uh, I think. The worst one was West Brom away midday on New Year's Day a few oh. years back, which was a particularly grim scheduling decision Awful. I remember finding it hard to get to the pub for that time <laughs> just down the road let alone up to West Brom for anyone uh, that made that was Sammy a famous...
3: and pub shock
0: yeah I know that was a famous win that day Berbatov and Dejago uh, combined to have a beautiful game yeah, we played yeah. really well that day. Uh, right, well, that is it for the Fulhamish podcast today. Thank you for listening to the uh, another Sammy James living room special. Uh, they're becoming more and more frequent. It is a comfortable place to do a podcast. In yeah, sense. yeah. I've, I'm, I've I'm just been to sleep.
3: I've, I've just been sleeping on the sofa the whole yeah. time, waiting for a podcast. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh,
0: so we will be doing some podcasts over Christmas. Uh, we're fortunate with the scheduling of there being mostly well, it's all London-based games, which does help us uh, in order to, to get the podcast out. So. Uh, there will be some podcasts um, reacting to the Wolves and Huddersfield games. And then we'll also do a podcast post-Arsenal as well. Uh, we'll be doing a full-time straight after the Wolves game as well. So make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel. And uh, I imagine Jack Kelly's fan cams from the Newcastle game uh, will also be up on the YouTube channel shortly. So make sure you uh, type in Fulhamish on YouTube to find all of that good stuff.
2: And then click the subscribe button.
0: Yes, make yeah, sure for you it. click the subscribe button. And... Uh, the final thing to, for me to say is a very very merry christmas thank you for uh, all your support in 2018 i say it like we're not doing a podcast it's probably at least uh, two to come between now uh, and new year but yeah wherever you are in the world uh, and wh- however you celebrate christmas uh, there are people that live in you know warm countries there'll be people in australia having a barbecue on christmas day we're jealous yeah very very jealous really cold <laughs> uh, so just uh, you know greetings of the season and all that uh we need to decide a pod name uh jack what are you saying
2: i can't look further than farrell's announced spag bowl
0: (laughs) farrell have you ever had a pod name um before
3: there there was one actually Uh, i did uh i i wasn't actually at the podcast but ben took my three word review of of, um a tutu jaw when piazon um oh injured his jaw in that Reading game many uh, years God that seems like a lifetime ago it was a long time ago when I had less grey hair (laughs) probably from watching Fulham that long ago sorry
0: that long ago yeah yeah. well you've had the honour again hooray uh, it's a Christmas miracle announced bag is it Announced, bag bowl. Yeah. Announced, bag bowl. Very good. Well, Farrowank, thank you very much for being here. No, thank you. Tom Collins, what an exceptional debut! <laughs> thank you very much for having me. Um, that three and a half year contract you signed early this week is oh, clearly yeah. uh, coming more into to come Twitter. from me. <laughs> it's, Millwall,
2: it's Millwall in the cup all over again. <laughs> yeah, exactly,
0: a fantastic debut. Uh, and Jack Collins, thank you very much as ever.
2: Thank you, Sammy.
0: Very Merry Christmas, and we'll see you on the next one.
2: Merry Christmas, listeners.
3: Feliz Navidad. (laughs) That's going on the end of the podcast.